Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This is Sports Day. For Kia, the seven-seat Kia Sorento. Kia's most awarded large SUV ever. Available now at your nearest Kia dealer. Right across South Australia, welcome to the summer edition of Sports Day SA on Cruise 1323 and 1629 SENSA. And you'll hear Sports Day SA every weeknight from 6pm with me, Paul Bonzer, and alongside me tonight, former Geelong, former Sydney and the Ken Farmer medalist with the Eagles. It's Dan Menzel. Welcome back, Menz. Bonds, it's good to be back. Uh, it's good to be back in this warm weather we've got at the moment. Training's uh, been challenging, but uh, you wouldn't have it any other way. No, we've got a big show tonight. We're going to preview the Strikers and Stars game in the BBL. That's uh, not far away. We'll touch on the Adelaide International and uh, Thanasi Kokonakis having a good night last night. Yes. Um, it's, uh, it's Thursday, which means it's AFL Thursday with men's, and you're going to review a couple of teams. Yes, I am. I'm going to do Collingwood and Essendon tonight and going to break down their 2023 seasons and a couple of bold predictions as to where they'll finish on the ladder as well. Uh, be uh, maybe a talking point. Okay. And... Um, we have a very special guest uh, when we're talking basketball in Adelaide. There's only one man to go to, and that's our very own Brett Maher. He'll be joining us later in the show, but you can join us right now. You can give us a call, one 736 736 or you can text in your thoughts, 0427 166. How do you think the strikers will go tonight? What are you looking forward to see? Um, so it's time for the hot topic. Thanks to Repco Authorised Service Centre. You can rely on your local Repco Authorised Service Centre for expert car service. Book online at repcoservice.com. They're playing basketball. All around the I think that was especially for Brett Maher. But we're going to talk about the Strikers and the Stars. The BBL, it starts very soon at the MCG men's. Uh, Strikers, back-to-back wins. They were fantastic on Tuesday night. Moved into third spot on the BBL ladder. Yeah, they did. We're we're starting to string it together now. And last game before Carey, Alex Carey and Travis Head come back. Uh, Colin de Gronholm is out tonight. Which, yeah, uh, twinked a hammy. Yeah, so he's been probably under the radar. He's, he's been very good for us. And particularly of late, he bowls some important overs. And we saw the other night, it can be extremely damaging with the bat in hand. Uh, Kane Richardson was on the end of a few massive blows the other night, which really uh, catapulted the strikers' score up and ended up scoring over the 200 runs. So hat-trick of sixes. It was. Very exciting. It was very exciting. So he is going to be a loss uh, tonight. Uh, However, the Melbourne Stars, they don't have anyone from Australia coming back into that side. So And Stoinis looks like he's going to miss again. Yes, injured again, unfortunately, for Marcus Stoinis. Just go back on to Gronholm for a second. Who do they bring in? Do they... Do they bring – because Travis Head and Alex Carey are still not available until Saturday against the Heat uh, back here at home. Is Do they bring in Henry Hunt at the top of the order and maybe drop Gibson down? Do they bring in Weatherald, mm, who, it, missed, who had a couple of bad games early? Who do they? you think they bring in? 
Yeah, I think it could be Jake Weatherald. Uh, I think that with the bowling lineup, so the other one is Peter Siddle. Is he ready to go? Or? I'm not sure. I don't think he is. So it might be Saturday for him. But with the bowling lineup we have, Cam Boyce, reasonably good the other night. Uh, Menenti, uh, you've got Matt Shaw, who is doing it all with the bat and the ball. And then the um, the pace lineup of Conway. Where's Agar was better again the other night. So he was, he was very good. He was. Two for 26 off his four. So probably don't need uh, to grind homes overs as much as maybe what we did uh, earlier in the tournament. So maybe they do bring in just an all-out batsman in Jake Weatherald. I could see that happening. Uh, Gibson made some runs the other night, which will probably keep him in the lineup tonight and opening as well. But we know that Weatherald's got the talent. Uh, his year this year didn't seem that dissimilar to the year when he couldn't make a run and then came out in the final and made 100. So that – Let's see how short Dizzy's memory is and whether he gives him that opportunity. But more than likely, they'll just be holding their spot down until uh, Alex Carey and Travis Head come in on Saturday. If you're Jason Gillespie, do you say to Jake Weatherall, Jake, just go out there and swing? Because it might come off. Yeah, I I think that uh, that's what the message probably should have been to whoever opened with uh, with (laughs) Matt Short because Henry Hunt struggled, Weatherall struggled, and Gibson did as well. So... Gibson had a few uh, nice shots the other night, got him into the 20s, but that's the message I'd be delivering to almost all of them because make some runs, otherwise uh, get out pretty quickly because we've got a nice batting order. And and when Matt Short and Chris Lynn have been in together this year, they've looked as damaging as anyone in the competition and that's why they are the leading run scorers in the tournament. Chad Sayers put up something interesting the other night. He said, uh, why not bring Ben Menenti up to open who uh, had some really good form in the one day as and the shield with the bat. So well, they just left field one from Chad says. Yeah. Okay. It's and, and potentially play an extra bowler, which uh, they could do. Yeah. And I don't mind that look as well. Might as well try something because we touched on it. Alex Carey and Travis head will come into this team. So there's Correct. two players that are going to go out. So why not have a, a bit of a free swing tonight? Because the stars are on the bottom of the table. I did say at the start of the tournament at Bonds that uh, they were going to be the disappointing team of this tournament. They are two wins and seven losses. So if we were realistically to lose to the stars tonight, it will not hurt us too badly in terms of making the five. It's when we come up against the teams around us, which is the yes. Thunder. Uh, and the good thing is the Renegades, the Thunder and the Hurricanes, they all play each other. So... I think that tonight we need a win, but it's not as important as our coming game. So a bit of a free swing for Dizzy tonight with what they do with replacing Colin de Gromholm. Before we move away from the strikers, got a text in from Mario from Maslin's Beach. How does de Gromholm move quick enough to pull a hammy? That's what he wants to know. <laughs> yeah, it's actually a great call, Mario. You'd think maybe a calf uh, with a bit of old age, but uh, yeah, there you go. A hammy might might have done it on the boundary potentially. When he, when he went down to sweep one, maybe. Twinged it then. Anyway, you're listening to the summer edition of Sports Day SA on Cruise 1323 and 1629 SENSA. All right, let's have a look at the Adelaide International men's. Um, Thanasi Kokonakis, uh, back-to-back um, titles he's going for at the Adelaide International and he had a good win overnight against the number six Andre Rublev. A great win. Uh, a really good win because uh, Rublev has been putting t- together some really good tennis. Uh, the crowds have been great there, actually. For the That's two, been good. Two tournaments they've had, it's been a really good showing. And, uh, and Tanasi starting to put some form together at a similar time that he did last year leading into the Australian Open. 
Uh, Rublev was or is the number one ranked player in this tournament. So that is a massive scalp to take for Tanasi, who was just uh, drawn as a wild card. So he, uh, he, like Kyrgios, coming together at the right time of year, it's uh, it's very exciting for Australian fans heading into the Australian Open. Let's have a listen to what uh, Thanasi had to say after the game. And I've had my best memories on this court. As I said, last year was, was an incredible feeling. It's something that you only dream of as a kid. And, and to play in front of you guys in this atmosphere every night, uh, it, it's incredible. Thank you. You practiced with him a little bit during the week? Yeah, did, did you learn anything there? What was your game plan? Um, I learned that he hits the shit out of the ball, which I kind of already knew, to be honest. Um, no, nah, he's a hell of a player. As you can see, I didn't even play that bad a game. I just missed a couple first serves, and in that second set, that's all it takes against someone that quality. Um, he's a hell of a player, a ripper bloke as well. Um, yeah, he, he's, he's doing great, great things already and going to continue to, but uh, yeah, I'm stoked, uh, stoked I got one of my biggest wins in front of you guys. Moves into the quarterfinals. His next opponent is a Serbian, uh, how am I going to say this, Kamanovic. <laughs> yes. Kamanovic? Yeah, that's that's a good call, Bonds. He's uh, ranked six in this tournament. Uh, I really like Tanasi there. He doesn't hold back in his uh, post-game interviews. A bit like Nick Kyrgios. He just says it as it is. He calls it as it is. Um, and it's starting to slowly endear him and Nick Kyrgios to the Australian public. And as I said last night, when you're playing good tennis, that also can help. Well, let's speak about his mate, Nick Kyrgios, coming into the Australian Open. A little bit of an injury cloud, maybe. My knee's feeling good. Um, you know, my, my ankle's feeling good. My body's feeling relatively pretty good. Um, I don't think anyone's feeling, uh, you know, 100%, obviously, with a couple of people pulling out already and a couple of people in doubt. You know, it's, it's normal around this time of the year for everyone to, you know, be battling with some injuries. But, you know, that's all good. Well, I am one of the best players in the world. So, you know, I'm definitely going to go into the you know, Australian Open any tournament with confidence. Um, I feel like I've proven that I can go deep in a Grand Slam. And, you know, with the support of the Phoenix and, and my team and, and everyone around, and hopefully, you know, Australia on my back, it's going, to be a, it's going to be a good couple of weeks. He's a confident man, men's. He is a confident man. Uh, whether you like that or not, he'll tell you as it is, as he just did there. One of the best players in the world. It's it's a nice way to go into a tournament because he's going to back himself in. Uh, for mine, Nick's made excuses in the past and there's reasons why he hasn't won tournaments. And I feel like he puts that up as a safeguard to have an out when he doesn't win. I like to hear him say, no, I'm one of the best in the world. It's to- yes. it's my time. Because that means that he's going into the mindset that, no, I can match it with these guys and I can win this tournament and I'm not giving myself an out. And so I like that he has said that. Interestingly enough, um, small injury concerns for him and small injury concerns for Novak Djokovic as well. Now, Bonds, this might be um, a conspiracy potentially, but they had their exhibition match lined up for Rod Laver Arena this Friday. They did. And that is not happening now because they both supposedly have injuries. I'd love to know if they were actually ever going to play this or maybe it was Nick going, hey, we'll sell this out in uh, in under an hour. Let's just put something up and see what happens with the media. Conspiracy theory. He, and he straight away said, uh, good for tennis. I can sell out at an arena in less than an hour. And uh, within a day, they both pulled out with injuries. So uh, it's going to be a cracking month of tennis. Uh, one more thing on Nick Kyrgios before um, we move on. He is just in, or he's going to invest in the South East Melbourne Phoenix. He's going to own a basketball team, or well, part owner anyway. Yes. Obviously for me, this is a big um, opportunity as well. Um, you know, my good friend Romy's, you know, obviously, you know, a big part of it. And everyone knows my basketball roots. So to be, you know, a part of the NBL and, you know, I think there's been so much growth over the last, as you said, the last two years, you know, I'm pretty much tuning in all the time. So 
I mean, it's a massive move for me personally um, in my career, and I'm just super excited to jump on board and, and do anything I can to help grow, um, you know, the team and, and just you know join in success really. So yeah, it's a massive, massive, uh, massive pleasure for me to, to be part of it. So appreciate it. He is joining John Wall from the Clippers, uh, Al Harrington, Josh Childress, who used to play for the Sixers, Dante Exum, and Zach Rudolph, uh, who uh, are also part of that ownership group. Yeah, wow, that's uh, names. there are some big names there. He's going head to head with our own uh, Craig Hutchinson as well with uh, the uh, Wildcats. So <laughs> yes, uh, Hutchinson versus Kyrgios. That's great to see. <laughs> you can stream every NFL game live this season on NFL Game Pass. Visit nflgamepass.com and just before, I've just got a text, and you can be part of the show as well, 0427-154-166. Coming up after the break, we're going to chat with uh, Toddy Gray from Greyhounds SA. But, men's, this is for you. Men's, a big cat supporter, just wanted to say thanks very much for your services to the cats. If a player ever deserved a premiership in 2011, it was yourself, but I'm glad you had experienced the feeling with the Eagles, and that was from James. That is a lovely text, James. I appreciate that. It's um, For me, it was almost 10 years to the day since I did my ACL that I got to play in the grand final with the Eagles and win a premiership. So it was a special feeling, and that's a, that's a very nice message to get on a Thursday for me, Bonds. After the break, Toddy Gray from Greyhound Racing. You're listening to Sports Day for Kia. The seven-seat Kia Sorento. Kia's most awarded large SUV ever. Available now at your nearest Kia dealer. You're listening to the summer edition of Sports ASA on Cruise 1323 and 1629 SENSA. Paul Bonza with Eagles Premiership player Dan Menzel. And you can be part of the show, 0427-154-166. Men's got some love before uh, that little break. And uh, you can also give us a call, 1300-736-736. And we are, of course, men's, we are minding these chairs for David Wildey and Malcolm Blight, who will be back just before the start of the footy season. It's their show. We're just looking after it for them for a little while. And uh, now it's uh, thanks to Greyhound Racing South Australia. No one runs the dogs like South Australia. It's time to speak to Todd Gray from Greyhound Racing SA. Toddy Gray. How are we doing, Legend? Hey, how are we, boys? Good. You're up and about tonight. Oh, you got to be up and about, lads. It's no fun not. It's not no fun not being up and about. It's only one way to be. <laughs> uh, what have uh, What have you got for us tonight? Uh, have you got your best bet first, or you want to do your value bet? Uh, we'll, we'll do the value bet first, lads, okay. because this one's only worth this one's only worth something small, boys. It's a uh, it's a dog which is a bit hard to follow, but at this price, it's too tempting to pass up. Uh, we're going for race seven, number seven, velocity teller. Now, we have thrown her out a few times. Um, she hasn't got the chockies for us, but she's run the drums, and she's always big odds. Look, she keeps getting overlooked for mine. There's nothing wrong with the way she's run her last two. She's ran second her last two starts. Um, she's $21 to win, $7 to place. Now, we only get two dividends here, but God, look, you never know what she can do. I've seen races where she's went straight to the front and went brilliant. I've seen races where she's come out last and ran them down. Like, she's, look, she's, she's hot and cold, but, God, she's talented when she wants to be. She's just the wrong price for mine. It's only worth something small because you don't know. You might get the one. I call dogs like this. They get a case of the old Nick Kyrgios about them. Sometimes they look amazing. Other times they look not so amazing, you know. But, like, in the end, the talent's there. The ability's there. If you get her on the right day, $21 just plain silly. So race seven, number seven, Velocity Teller. Uh, look, it is a handy race, but only go small on this one because I'm pretty keen on the best bet. There you go. 20, uh, $21 there. What is your best bet, Tori? 
Well, in saying that, I am actually going to throw out two in the one race, which I've done before, but the main play here, race nine, number two, my mate Snow. Now, this, this dog is very fastly becoming Basil Brush Mark II, right, for me right now. We all know Basil Brush Rose. This dog is becoming almost another Basil Brush. He, second, every time I think he's a good thing, he gets beat. Every time he, I, I think, I, and, and he never, I never get him right, lads. Like, I could go on for days just bringing up Basil Brush has just brought up old wounds. But uh, this bloke's got a massive motor. Last week, he was home and hose. All he had to do last week was not run up the leading dog's rear end, and that's exactly what he did. He has got more talent than any other dog in this race, but he's not much of a... He's a klutz in a field. He should be favourite in this race for mine. It's over to 700 They're betting around about $3.80, $4 about him. He should be favourite for mine, but you never know if you're going to get the smart one or, I have to be honest, the silly one. Um, but look, race nine, number two, my mate Snow at $384. He's the main play. He should be shorter. He will start shorter. And just save, just have a couple of pennies on number seven in the same race. Back them both to win. Number seven, Dashing Jinx. Same thing. Um, $23 it is to win. It just shouldn't be $23. It's a seasoned 700-meter performer. It's beaten some of these dogs, which are a lesser quote than it, so I don't know why it's 23 bucks. So I might have made that more confusing than it needs to be, boys. But race nine, yep. race nine, number two, my mate Snow. That's our main play. He is, he is no doubt the best dog in the race. And race nine, number seven, just save Dashing Jinx. Good old-fashioned overs. Shouldn't be 23 bucks either. Toddy, you're back in against uh, the two favourites in those races, which Benny Rawlings has. So good luck to you with those tips. Yeah, no worries at all. Yeah, hopefully oh, the first one gets up. We're going to have the second one running for nothing. But time will tell. And uh, Todd, uh, let us know a little bit about the John Gray heats tonight. Uh, bless you. Yeah, uh, uh, we've got six heats tonight at the John Gray Memorial. Um, this is the 27th running of it. Um, John was my grandfather. I'll try not to get too emotional about it, but uh, yeah, it's a very important race, obviously, to all my family, and I can't believe the support it gets every year, and I'm of the understanding that a person never truly passes away until they are forgotten, and thanks to this race being run every year, John's never going to be forgotten, and he should not. He passed away when I was single figures, lads, but he left me with a lifetime of stories. A very popular man in the sport, and everything you could do in greyhound racing, John Gray did it twice. Love that, mate, and we love you. Uh, thanks, for, thanks for that, and I've got a good feeling about tonight. I think we're home. Oh, fingers crossed. Yeah, it's a bit ambitious a bit ambitious going against a few of the shorty faves there, but I just reckon the prices are wrong, but we'll find out who's wrong. The price assessors will meet in a couple of hours' time. Thanks, Todd. Todd Gray from Greyhound Racing South Australia. For expert Greyhound Racing tips, follow at the Dogs SA on Twitter or check out Greyhound Racing SA on Facebook. Um, men's, what, yeah. do you, what do you got for us? Beautifully said there by Toddy as well, by oh, the way. But um, that. Um, we're... We're gonna. We've had an update with the cricket, with the big bash, the strikers. So the stars won the toss, and they have chose to bowl first. So I think we probably would have bat first anyway, wouldn't we, if we won the toss? Probably yes. So and just quickly on the lineup, uh, Peter Siddle is back. So the skipper is back into the team. We've nice. gone with a bowling lineup with Thornton back in, Agar Boyce and Menenti. So so they played the extra bowler. We played the extra bowler tonight, which I think is a good call against the stars. The seven-seat Kia Sorento is a large SUV. Coming up on the show, Brett Maher, the champion, the legend from the Adelaide 36ers, is going to chat to us about the 36ers game tonight, about the Jack Jumpers, and a little bit about the NBL as well. And we give you a score update from New Zealand. They're currently behind 39 to 51 against Melbourne United. So, but the 36ers kick off in uh, well, not long. It's about Half ten minutes hour. away. Half yeah. hour. Yep. All right. Brett Maher, coming up on the show. Don't go away.
You're listening to Sports Day for Kia. The seven-seat Kia Sorento. Kia's most awarded large SUV ever. Available now at your nearest Kia dealer. You're listening to the summer edition of Sports Day SA on Cruise 1323 and 1629 SENSA with Paul Bonza and former Geelong, Sydney, and now an eagle, uh, Dan Menzel. Um, Menz, uh, we've got, been a big show so far, but uh, our next guest is brought to us by Tyre Power, the big holiday sale on now 25% off selected Kumo passenger and SUV tyres. <laughs> And our next guest is a legend, not only of uh, Australian basketball, Adelaide basketball, but now a legend of uh, SENSA. It's Brett Ma. Marzi, welcome to Sports Day SA. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Mate, uh, have a nice Christmas and New Year's. Uh, it was pretty low key, actually. Um, I worked through uh, bits and pieces of it, and in the time off, I was lucky enough to be able to uh, scoot away a couple of times, went up to Barossa for a couple of nights, and... Uh, yeah, it was uh, really quite relaxing. Did you find uh, any wineries of note while you're in the Barossa? Uh, well, we went to Saltrams actually. They really looked after us, and uh, also to Cirillo's, which is a bit of a favourite of mine. Uh, so yeah, we went to a couple of really nice ones and stayed at a really nice place up there, which was good. Sounds nice and relaxing, Marzi. So it's good to hear. Now I want to get into the NBL. Let's start with our Adelaide 36ers and your Adelaide 36ers. Currently sitting six on the table with an 11-win, 10-loss record. Where do you see their season at at the moment? It's a pretty open competition. Uh, how do you like their chances from here? Well, yeah, it's pretty tight. Um, that kind of uh, middle of the pack is very congested. And, yeah, they're going to have to win some big games coming down the stretch. Uh, certainly their home games, uh, they need a lot away, but... Yeah, um, like this game coming up against the Jack Jumpers is going to be a big one. And um, hopefully, uh, if they squeeze into the eight, get the momentum at the right time, then yeah, they're as good a chance as anyone. I think they've got probably enough talent. They've just got to be uh, put it all together at the right times, which they've done in patches, but probably not consistently. Yeah, that's that's correct. And tonight they take on the Jack Jumpers, 7 p.m. here uh, in Adelaide. Now In Tassie, actually, mate. Sorry, Adelaide time, Bonds, yes. but they play in Tassie. You're right. Um, <laughs> 7 o'clock here if you want to watch that one or tune in. But um, I want to ask about a couple of players. Now, Bonds and I have had this chat uh, before, and we have spoke about Franks and Cleveland and their value to the team. Who is the MVP in your eyes of the Adelaide 36ers? Who's their most important player out of those two? Oh, it's a toss-up. I think they've both had their moments. I think probably in recent weeks, Cleveland's really stepped up and is probably a bit more flashy. He gets in the lanes, gets the breakaways, gets some dunks and um, has also hit some big shots down the stretch for him in some of their comebacks. Um, so I would probably give a nod to Cleveland just over Franks, although um, Franks has been pretty good. I think um, I think underutilised at times, I reckon. I'd love to see him um, probably make more use of some of the mismatches that he could potentially get uh, at times. But, um, yeah, those two have been standouts definitely for me. And um, I think we've seen some really good improvement in guys like Kai Soto um, in his minutes that he's got as well. 
Yeah, and the other one I want to ask you about is our other import is Ian Clark. Looks uh, exciting, does some really good things. What are your thoughts on him joining the 36ers? Yeah, I really like him. He's a, he's a high-quality player. He's a guy that can hit big shots down the stretch, and I think that's going to really come into play, hopefully, throughout the finals, and that's most probably why CJ went after him because he can do that. Um, I think the first game... Uh, it was a tough one for CJ because he's only just come in, but we probably did need him straight away down the stretch. But he's going to come in, yeah, really handy. And we saw uh, when he played for Sydney, he was able to step up and make some big plays. And, yeah, hopefully if we squeak into the playoffs, he can, he can do that for us and progress us as far as we can get. Just speaking about Clark, and this is uh, the perfect person to ask this question of, he had come, he was shooting from 60% from outside the arc. He had the game-winning shot against New Zealand. It was uh, wide open, really, and it falls short. Does that eat away at you when you get that opportunity to hit, to hit the game-winner? It doesn't go down. Does that, how long does that eat away at you at all? Oh, I think the, the game's come so quickly. It, it probably uh, that night you don't get too much sleep because uh, you kind of, as a player, you, you put a lot of that blame on yourself. Obviously, it doesn't come down to one play at the end. There's a lot of plays that they probably could have done a lot better through the game. But, um, yeah, he, I mean, he's the man you want taking that shot. I guess as a shooter, you don't want to fall short because you haven't really even given it a chance. But... I mean, he's he's been stroking it and, and hitting big shots. And, I mean, you can't make all of them, can you? So, uh, yeah, he'll move on quickly, I would imagine, from that. But it uh, would have been a nice one to win. And we've probably dropped a couple of close ones that, in the scheme of things, could have really pushed us up the ladder uh, in this latter part of the season. You touched on Kai Soto moving into the starting lineup. Do you think, think that's given him some more confidence? He's not playing... Too many more minutes, but uh, had a had a fantastic game the other week. Yeah, I like it. I like that move, and I think I think initially that's what they wanted to do with him was to slot him into the same line and bring DJ in off the bench. He's obviously getting a little bit older and and have some really good minutes from him off the bench. But um, yeah, I like what he's doing. A lot of people are saying he's probably underutilized, and he's very productive in the time he's on. He alters shots, he blocks shots, and. He's had some pretty exciting moves offensively as well. And, um, yeah, I really like his game. I think he's really matured throughout the course of this season and is making a lot better decisions uh, with the ball in his hands. So I think um, if he can continue uh, that rise over the next, I would I would still give him another couple of years. But if he can continue, then, yeah, the NBA is probably not out of the question. Chatting with former 36ers superstar and 526-gamer Brett Maher. Marzi, that is an incredible amount of games. Uh, question as I'm coming towards the end of my career, how's your body now? 526 games, I can't imagine you're moving that well, are you? <laughs> uh, not really. <laughs> uh, I reckon... I reckon my last two seasons I was stealing money with uh, the way I was moving. I uh, had to have a lot of treatment to get through my last couple of years. And um, I'm actually not bad now if I stay stay under 70%. If I could try and go above 70%, then things start to uh, ping and go all over the place. So it's not too bad. Not too bad. I think the uh, Brisbane Bullets would take not too bad at the moment. They are absolutely struggling and battling. They lost 116-67 to 67 to the Sydney Kings last night. Did you catch much of that game? 
I didn't. I saw the results and stats from the game. And, I mean, we saw signs of it in the game that they played here that um, there's really some upset upset players in that group. Then clearly not getting along. There was friction between Sobey and Baines and some of the other players. And yeah, they were. I think you hit on the head. They were all over the place. I haven't seen a team play that bad in a long, long time. And I just don't see a short-term fix for it. Uh, I mean, Greg Vanderjack has been thrown under the bus trying to coach that team and pull them together as a first-time coach. And, um, yeah, I just think the recruiting of that team leaves a lot to be desired. The personalities that they've got there and uh, just the mixes, it just doesn't work well. And that's really playing out. And they've lost all all mojo and faith in each other and, and the game of basketball. And, uh, Sydney uh, is not a team you want to come up against when you're feeling like that because they're on the other end of the scale and playing really well, got heaps of confidence and um, probably playing as well as they can at the moment and at a team to beat. Yeah, so you touched on Sydney there, 16 wins from their 21 games. Are they the clear standout team in the competition? Uh, I think them and New Zealand have just dominated all year. I think those two are the clearly the best two teams and I think if you look at the games that Adelaide have played against them, we've actually done reasonably well against Sydney and New Zealand. So um, I don't think our guys would be overly scared if they can put it all together. Then I I would say that we're an okay shot at those two teams, but they are definitely the two teams to beat and uh, are playing uh, some good basketball to watch at the moment. Let's move on to tonight's game, Marzi, Jack Jumpers. Down in Tassie, how do they get the job done? And who's the most important player we've got to stop for the Jack Jumpers? And who does Antonius Cleveland go to? Um, yeah, look, I think uh, Majette's played pretty well against us. Their point guard, um, their style is bad for us. <laughs> like they, uh, that real hustle up in your face, get after it. Um, that's how they play. They bring teams down to that level, and they grit out wins and. They're, they're so well coached. Scott Roth is an excellent coach. I'd rate him probably the first or second best coach in the league um, with what he's done with that team and how he's got them going. And they just run a really good system. They move the ball well. They get it to the right players. Um, I think their recruiting has been pretty good. Their imports, I think, are excellent. And, and he's also getting guys like Jack McVeigh and uh, Magne and those sort of guys to play really well as well. So that's going to be a really tough matchup for us tonight. And uh, we'll have to definitely be at our best, especially down there to beat them. Marzi, thanks for your time. Really appreciate you joining us on the summer edition of Sports Day. So see you, mate. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. See you, Marzi. Brett Maher, absolute legend. They've retired his number, his signature's on the court. 526 games. Yeah, I was lucky enough when they named the court after him. I was doing the uh, actual presentation that night on the mic, and uh, yeah, it was it was a bit of a oh, everyone was a bit emotional, and yeah. but it, it fantastic effort. And what what a great person and a great man and a great player. Um, all right, uh, you're listening to the summer edition of Sports Day SA on Cruise thirteen twenty three. Well, that's the thing about that's what I like about yeah that's. The- Thursday night, it's AFL Thursday with men's thanks to Toolkit Depot. Everything you need to get the job done 
shop in-store or online. Now, men's, you're going to uh, talk about a couple of teams every week until the start of the AFL season. Last week, you spoke about Brisbane and Carlton, and if you missed that, you can check out the podcast. Tonight, you've got Collingwood. And Essendon, let's go with Collingwood first. Yeah, let's start with Collingwood first. I'm really looking forward to this segment every week. I got some good feedback last week on the Lions and how Joe Danaher might fare. But let's jump into Collingwood. For the Collingwood fans out there, so close to making a grand final last year, an incredible year under Craig McRae. And it just it showed how much the players uh, were, I guess, re-energised and Played with that freedom and they showed it against Sydney in the prelim where they nearly come from nowhere to win and make the grand final. So I want to start on their additions. They brought in Tom Mitchell, Dan McStay, Bobby Hill and Billy Frampton. There's four nice pickups there that they fill a need for that team and I think that all of them will play roles throughout the year. A massive loss with Brody Grundy and I'll touch on that in a, in a little bit. And Ollie Henry is the other one, which could be a very good player, who went to Geelong. So if we start with the Pies and we start with their strengths, for mine, it's their medium-sized role players. So how about these guys, Bonds? Braden Maynard, Jack Crisp, uh, you got Josh and Nick Dacos, Jordan DeGoey, Jamie Elliott, Jack Ginnivan, and Scott Pendlebury are probably their best players. Yes, and agree with that. So to me, their team is really well-balanced. They don't rely as much on their key players. They're more about their medium-sized players. And they have that no-fear approach to their game, which we saw last year. They come up against any opposition. They can win from anywhere. And that belief will help them going into this season. The weakness, weaknesses for mine, and I said about this just before about him leaving with Brody Grundy going to Melbourne, the ruck position, now they got away with it last year. And I think that the fact that Grundy got injured mid-season or towards the start of the year, teams weren't really equipped with what they were going to come up against and maybe didn't respect uh, Cameron and Cox in the ruck. But for mine, you can get away with it throughout the season if it happens. It's once you then get to a following season, it makes it difficult. And Brody Grundy, let's not forget, he dominated the competition for about six years there with Max Gorn. Correct. He's now playing with Max Gorn. Uh, for mine, they need Darcy Cameron and Mason Cox or whoever else it is in the ruck to not just play okay. They need to perform. And that, for mine, is their weakness in their team. The pressure gauge is minor after last season. After what Craig McRae brought in his first year at the helm, the pressure in 2023 for mine is off. And it might mean that the players can play a lot they did last year. And so there's going to be much more pressure on other teams because I still think they have time, Collingwood, to be able to perform and win that grand final, whether it be 2023 or in the years to come. So if we move from there, let's have a look at the players that need to perform. And for me, there's two barometers in this team. If they are to contend, Jordan Dugowie is absolutely the barometer of this side. He must play well if they're to contend. And the other one who I think can come in and set their team up is Dan McStay. If he comes in and he is a target for them down the line with the likes of Jamie Elliott, Jack Ginevan, what it does, Dugowie, when he goes down there, I think it sets him up really well. And so agree or disagree, Bonds, Dugowie and McStay are two of their most important players. Absolutely. Um, I... I think that also releases some pressure off Brody Mycheck. He's beat up every year, and by the end of the season, it's pretty hard. But if you've got McStay up there, I think that adds another bow, um, another string to their bow. Absolutely. Uh, little concern. Do you think Pendlebury and Sidebottom, another year older, does that come into your thoughts? It definitely does, and uh, and I will touch on that in a second when I get to the premiership window. Now, the most improved for mine, uh, Jack Ginevan. Uh, so he's going into his second season now. Kick, 
Uh, sorry, he's gone into his third season. He kicked yes. 40 goals in his second year. And his first, his first full season at AFL level last year was very similar to that of Jaden Stevenson in his first year at the Pies where he kicked 38 goals. So the question mark for me is, can he continue his development and ascend into an extremely good player in the competition? I think he can, and I think he'll be the most improved for them again next year. The best and fairest, I'm going to say Darcy Moore. I think he, uh, with that team, he compliments them. He comes off really well, and he's very important for them. We touched on the premiership window. I've got them at 9 o'clock. I don't have them at 10, 11, or 12. I don't have them completely ready. Now, a point of that is they've still got those young guns that I've talked about. Uh, you've got Kruger's played seven games, Carmichael seven, Ash Johnson's played nine, Frampton 24, Nick Dacos 25, Ginevan only 28, Murphy 33, Bobby Hill 41, Darcy Cameron 53. So there's a lot of guys that still have some good yes. footy ahead of them. Uh, however, as you touched on, Scott Pendlebury is now 35 years of age, still side bottoms coming to the end. He's 32 and played 289 games. So it'll be interesting to see how they complement each other, the youth and the experience. Now, where I have them finishing on the ladder is I have them finishing eighth in 2023. Now, that might be low for Collingwood fans, and I understand that. However, they won nine games by under 10 points last season. They are not going to do that this year. That is almost impossible what they did last year. Those results will not go that same way. They're going to lose a few of those closer games, and that's why I've got them just dropping a little bit down the ladder. I've got them finishing in eighth position on the table. The other thing that worries me is their start to the season. They play Geelong away. They play Port Adelaide at home. They play Richmond at home and Brisbane away. They could easily be 0-4. Am I wrong, Bonds? No, you're 100% correct. They, it's, a, it's a tough start for Collingwood, absolutely. I, I love that analysis, the fact that they won some close games. Does that happen again? The, the ruck is really interesting to me. I, I, I think how that turns out, whether those guys can carry the ruck duties or whether and, – and teams, as you said, McRae come in, new, it's a whole new look. Yep. But people have seen that for 12 months now. So – other coaches will will just maybe it'll be a bit tougher for them. Yeah, to win, they'll work I a few think. things out and players yeah. are re-energised when they get a new coach. And speaking of that, we'll move on to the Essendon Bombers who have a new coach with Brad Scott and a couple of in Sam Wiedemann will set a field and Michael Hurley has retired. Devin Smith and Aaron Francis is gone as well. So the Bombers, for mine, their strength is their speed and youth. They have the third youngest list in the cop. Now, this will go both ways. But it means that they're dangerous. They've got guys like Martin, Perkins, Hind, McGrath, Cox, Parrish, Ridley, and Jones who are all still got their more than half their career ahead of them. Their weakness for mine, and it's probably a reason why Brad Scott has come in, is that defensively. Last year, they got scored against heavily. They were 16th in defense. There's question marks on their defense with Ridley, Laverde, and Kelly. I think they're a bit undersized down back. Agreed. And I think they will struggle there again this year. Now... The pressure gauge is moderate. There's a new coach who will be afforded time. Brad Scott will get time to develop his game plan. And with a young group, it might there might be some growing pains there. Uh, the player that needs to perform and is under the most pressure for mine, this is an easy one, it's Dylan Shield. Dylan Shield is about to turn 30 and he'll play his 200th game in round one if he gets selected. Now, the baby bombers as such are building and if he's not in form early, he'll quickly find himself back in the VFL. He was scratchy last year. He has a massive year ahead of him for his fortunes and for the Bombers to be able to ascend up the ladder. Who do I think will be most improved? I've got Harrison Jones, the young key forward. He's just 21 years of age. He's played 19 games and kicked 25 goals. Now, any key forward, it takes a few years, and I feel like he's starting to build. 
The other one I'm really looking forward to see how he goes is Nick Cox, 200 centimetres, but he is coming off a Liz Frank injury and now an ankle injury, so he's struggling to Got stay healthy. Talent, but he has some talent. Um, the best and fairest of mine, Zach Merritt, just ultra consistent. He will win their best and fairest in 2023. Their premiership window, uh, it's at about 4 o'clock for mine. They, they're not at 1 or 2. They are starting to develop these young kids. But they're going to struggle, uh, and they still could get worse for mine. Uh, they, okay. They've got some kids in there that I'm going to go through in a second. I have them finishing in 16th on the table. Now, some Bombers fans will not be happy with that, will not agree. But um, the reason being is that they are still so young. Now, they their average age of their team is 23.85 years. They are the 16th. Uh, oldest or youngest list, however way you want to look at it. So the third youngest team in the competition, they have 14 players on their list that are 20 years of age or younger. And if I have a look at their team list, Dyson Heppel is the only 30-year-old in the team. We saw with Geelong last year that uh, 10 30-year-olds in a team, that experience pays when it comes to the points end of the year. Dylan Shields the second oldest, and he's about to go into game 200, but Heppel's the only one that's played over 200. And there is a lot of guys when you look through this list that haven't played more than 50 games of footy. And so I think the inconsistency from these younger guys you are going to see next year, you're still going to see guys like Ridley, like Hind, Phillips, Setterfield, Snelling, Archie Perkins, I'll keep going down the list, Jai Caldwell, Nick Cox and Sam Duran. They're still going to have that inconsistency as young players do. And so I think that Brad Scott's going to bring a nice game plan in, but I think it will take a little while to actually adapt to that game plan and be able to play with that freedom and really back each other in. The other concern for mine is if uh, Jake Stringer, Dylan Shield, Dyson Hebel have injuries or don't perform to the level that they need them to, they just don't have that next level underneath no. that's ready to perform. No. And so I'm not sure that Dyson and Jake will get through the whole year with their bodies, and I'm not confident in Dylan Shield after his, his year in 2022. So it means that Darcy Parrish and Zach Mirra are going to get tagged week in, week out like they did last year. And as the year wears on, it makes it extremely difficult for those guys to perform. So I just don't see enough players that are going to share the load of the Bombers in 2023 and they're going to have to look to the future and that's where their future will be with this young list. In hindsight, is the Dylan Shield recruitment been a bit of a bust for Essendon? Look, it has. Uh, there's no betting around the bush. It has. Um, it's also been a byproduct of how their list has performed, how their players have performed. And so that's not all Dylan's fault. Uh, if they're playing well and he is in a team like Geelong, for example, where they've got other guys around him who can uh, compliment him and make him better, then potentially it's an extremely good signing. But it, it hasn't worked out. And so... They've got some big decisions over the next 12 months uh, on the field, but also off the field. They've got plenty of um, decisions to be made at that footy club to reset it and uh, really look at where their next premiership might come because it won't be in 2023. And they've got some really good young talent that they've got to develop because they could turn into anything in a few years' time. I like the timing of bringing Brad Scott in, an experienced coach. He's going to set some ground rules for these young kids. And I, I agree with you. I think they've got some of the most exciting young talent in the competition. Yeah, and just heavily scored against last year. So he will be quick to uh, reset that and make sure that doesn't happen in 2023. But it'll be their whole game plan that they've got to set up and fix going forward. Fantastic. Once again, it's uh, AFL Thursday with men's. He's going to do that over the next few weeks, every Thursday night, a couple of teams. So uh, who does that make us uh, next 
time. It's Frio. If we're at E, it's probably Frio and Geelong. Yeah, so tonight, obviously, Collingwood and Essendon. And so that means that next week's going to be Fremantle and Geelong. Oh, oh good. I learnt my alphabet when you I did. was at school. <laughs> Oh, now you won't be with us tomorrow night, unfortunately. Uh, you got to train with the Eagles, put in some big hard yards yourself. Thirty-seven degrees, I think it might be potentially. I saw Bond, so uh, wear sunscreen, my friend. Yes, it's getting to that time of year where training is not a lot of fun. It's just a grind. You just got to get through. We've got some match sim though, which any oh, nice. football out there knows it's much better to do match sim than it is to do drills and run around the oval. So looking forward to that. All right, uh, best of luck at training tomorrow night and. We will see you next week, Tuesday. Your sample, dip into the sample, dip yes. your toes in there. Glenelg, we will do. I'm going to yes. chat with Liam McBean. So, really looking forward to that. Great. It's fantastic. Thanks for joining us tonight on the summer edition of Sports Day SA. Uh, Paul Bonzer and Daniel Menzel saying goodbye, and we'll see you tomorrow. Listening to Sports Day for Kia, the seven-seat Kia Sorento, Kia's most awarded large SUV ever. Available now at your nearest Kia dealer.